Okay, we'll get started. What? Be quiet. What? Welcome to Stories of Briscoe and Bradshaw. I'm be Bradshaw. That would be your Chickasaw native, your Chickasaw Hall of Famer, Oklahoma's favorite, greatest son, and he just disappeared. This is unbelievable. You've got to be kidding me, Jerry. I'll get back. I'll be back. Don't worry. What are you doing? Uh, I thought it. Where'd that word bell go? What are you doing? Am I gone now? Uh, yeah, yeah. How you doing? Come on, Bill. Yeah. You want this, to start this, again? This goes yeah, downhill from. Goes downhill from here. Don't touch nothing. Don't touch nothing. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to the stories of Briscoe and Bradshaw. I'm gonna be Bradshaw. That would be your Chickasaw native, your Chickasaw Hall of Famer, Mr. Technology, Oklahoma's favorite son, Mr. Gerald Briscoe. And what a treat we got today! Not the fact that we got just two great Texas legends. The fact that we got just two Texans. God bless. Texas, Mr. James Beard, Hall of Famer, one of the greatest referees of all time, and Mr. Bill Colville, uh, integral part. You've seen him in every single Von Erich picture, every single Sportatorium picture. The man with the cowboy hat, Mr. Bill Colville. Welcome to the show, guys. Oh, great to uh, be here. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> I enjoyed your running. You just started, started man. Wait, 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 wait five minutes and say the same thing. <laughs> what happened to the cowboy hat, by the way? It's uh, in the room. I can go get it. <laughs> well, we're afraid for you to go get it. We might lose you. Yeah. <laughs> Bill's not the problem, Jerry. Well, you saying I'm the problem? Yes. What am I? Here I am looking so handsome with these three Texasans, man. I don't know what to do. <laughs> well, things are going to go downhill from here. I can see yes, it coming. Yes, they are. Hey, James, yeah. as we get started, we, yes. had, we had Rod Price on a couple weeks ago, which was absolutely fantastic. Enjoyed seeing Rod. He listened to Rod. We had a great time catching up with Rod. I forgot to ask him one of the one of the best stories that involved me, you, and him. And so I want to <laughs> before I forget because I may soon be hunting Easter eggs. I just hid. I don't want to forget this again. I want to start off with that story about me, you, and Rod at the our bar. I think it's the same bar that Manny Fernandez threw a guy through the window. So it was yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, we we could we could have used Bill Caldwell that night. <laughs> oh my good, could we? Yes. So, Bill, we're sitting in this bar. Rod had just had something happen to a family member, like a cousin or something like that. Right, James? Yep, something, I something can't remember. like that yeah, happened. Yeah, so, Rod's yeah. feeling a bit down. So, we're going to have to have Are you going to tell the story? Are you going to let James tell the story? You ask him, then you No, no. I, 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 I was an observer in this deal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. And, and, and oh, yeah. JBL was the aggressor in the deal. Right? No, no, no. You, <laughs> no, no, no. We needed Bill there for this one. So yes, we did. There's nobody in the bar, Bill, except for a, a couple there, and there's nobody else in there, and a big, tall guy and a woman. That's a nondescript, no big deal. We're sitting there having some drinks. The woman comes up and starts hitting on Rod. And Rod is very polite, tells asks, you know, tells her he's, you know, basically not interested, you know, but her boyfriend's there. And so finally I lean over, I said, ma'am, uh, I said, my friend had a little problem here. We're just kind of, you know, having some drinks by herself. If you don't mind, you should probably should go back to your boyfriend. Didn't think anything of it. She turns and walks off. I felt like the entire roof caved in on my head. <laughs> she reached off. She took two steps, grabbed a beer mug off another table and hit me over the oh, head wow. with this beer mug. 
right on top of my head. I just, bam, hit me over the head. I thought, what in the world? And I look around and she's trying to grab something else. And so I shove her. Of course she doesn't. I'm still trying to get my bearings. Well, I look and I see this, her boyfriend, who's about as tall as I am, coming at me. And I thought, my goodness. So I go to punch him. He drops down to his knees and socks me square in the balls. Oh, that was a funny. That was a funny sound you made, by the way. <laughs> Can you do so now, that hit now, now maybe you, you heard about squealing like a pig. That's got oh, it right there. This guy socks me square in the nutsack, and I and all I can do, I I, gra I grab his head like this, and I'm, my head is spinning from being hit on the head with his beer mug. She's still trying to find something else to hit me with, and I've got this big guy I'm rolling around the ground with. Come on, my nuts are in my stomach. So I'm sitting and I'm on, I'm like, oh my God, I'm trying to get this woman off of me. I'm trying to fight this guy. Finally, finally, we, we, we rearrange all the furniture in the bar. Everything's been knocked over. Everything's down. Finally, I get the better of it. Get up off the floor. She's still crazy. She's still wanting to hit me with something. I go back to the table. The whole bar had been knocked down. All the tables and chairs had been knocked down, oh, wow. except... For the one that James and Rod are sitting at, it was a high top table with three chairs. They're yep. sitting there just having a beer, watching the whole thing. Watching. Have not moved. Yeah. Have not moved the entire that. time. Yeah. So I go back and I sit back down by by James and, and Rod, and I just look at them and I say, <laughs> "Guys, I got, I got hit over the head with the beer mug. The guy socked me in the balls, and I for the last several minutes I've been fighting all over this bar, both him and her." And Rod looked at me and goes, oh, we were watching a hell of a fight. And, and James goes, that was fun. I, I don't I don't know why I found that so funny, but it was it was hilarious. Man, that's, look, that's, look, great, that's great backup you got there by your Texas pal. Well, you know, they had the, the, gal, the gal actually jumped on his back at one point, and that was really fun. I bet that was great. That was wonderful. It looked like a tornado had gone through the bar, except for the one table that James and Rod are sitting at. That yep. table is completely undisturbed right in the middle, and they're still sitting there, have not moved an inch. They're watching this. Uh, uh, not not only it, that, but not only that, but I didn't spill an ounce of beer either. And he never went down and slapped the floor one, two, or three. No, oh, not no. one time. No, no false no, no, yeah. no, no was I was wanting to run in. That wasn't my job. That's the job for the, the security, and you, and you work there. Are Are you sure this wasn't an APA uh, skit? It could have. It could have been Jerry. I tell you, it sounds like it was a good <laughs> yeah. one too, man. Yeah, oh, it was wonderful. Yeah, it was <laughs> wonderful. All we need, all we needed was a couple of cigars. James, you got any, uh, James Arbell, you guys got any more stories about JBL getting the hell beat out of him like that then? Well, I didn't lose. I just, I started <laughs> off, lose, I started off with you, a deficit. Did you win, though? <laughs> oh, I didn't win. Yeah, I did win. I did win. But, but the best part was by the end of the night, I mean, we're still sitting there. They didn't even put up, I mean, we're, we're there another hour. They didn't even put back the tables up. So we're just sitting there and, and like every once in a while, I'd look at them incredulously and i say, guys, you, you really could have hopped in at some point and helped me when she jumped on top of me when the guys that get sack, socked me in the balls are going, oh, no, no, no. It was great. It was great. Great fight. Great yeah, fight. yeah the, the nut shot was so funny. Uh, I, I, I couldn't quit laughing.
That's the last thing I expected because he's about as tall as I am. I'm about, I'm about to punch him up here. And also, I thought, where's he going now? Wham! <laughs> <laughs> you you got you to gotta really give the guy some credit. That takes a hell of a coordination to be able to drop directly down to your balls at the same, uh, <laughs> yeah. and hit yeah. you at the same yeah. time yeah. where he wants to hit you. I mean, it was one motion, too. He dropped to a knee and at the same time threw a straight right hand right into my balls. Yeah, it looked like a gold dust spot. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I maybe it was gold dust. <laughs> hey, he was about the same size. Of course, that bar was the one that Manny Fernandez threw yeah. a guy through the window. So they had seen uh, quite a few things there. Yeah. So yeah, where were really Manny Was he sitting there with Bill or with uh, with James? And uh, no, thank goodness Manny wasn't there because it it would have escalated if Manny had been there. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no. 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 Manny. Manny left the territory by then i think <laughs> yeah 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 bill bill you know you probably heard all these stories a million times and probably laugh every time you hear them this is and for the people that don't know bill give us a little bit about your background what you did i, I you know from i like i said I, i've never had the honor of meeting you yet in person we will somewhere down the road I'm well sure. i hope so but uh you know you 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 from what the stories i've heard You've been involved in as many stories as JBL and, and, and James Beard yourself. So with those Von Eric boys, and I had the pleasure of meeting every one of them and being sharing the ring with most of them there. So give us a little bit about your background so we, we can let the folks at home know what you are up to. Well, David and Kerry snuck me into being the, in the business. And uh, my dad had had a bunch of motorcycle shops with factory uh, national riders racing for us. And Fritz used to come in and bring the kids in, and I was one of the racers. And he would watch us practice before we went out on tour, and he bought three-wheelers and four-wheelers. So I've known the kids and Fritz since I was 15 or 16. But the boys were younger. At that age, they, they were punk kids. They weren't going to be friends. You know, they, they'd come to watch me race and practice, and, and that's it. And as we got older, David and I got close. And he called me one day and he said, my car is broke. Can you take me to uh, Will Rogers? And I said, sure. And uh, he said, bring your Cadillac. And I had a brand new Fleetwood Brome Cadillac. This was in 1981, 82, 81, I think. So I picked him up and we went to Will Rogers. It was Monday night. And we put, oh, he told me, he said, wear your cowboy hat and your coat and your boots. Huh. And I'm going, what is all of this? So we pull around back at Will Rogers and the fans are going nuts. Now, I never went to any of the matches. We were friends, we were running buddies, David and I were, but it didn't have anything to do with wrestling. So this was all new to me. So the fans were going nuts and I just looked at David and I said, I'll grab your bags and meet you inside. You can do whatever you're gonna do out here. So I went in, he came in a few minutes later he told me to go upstairs. He went in, watched the matches. Matches were over, came back down. I grabbed the bags, fought the crowd to get back to the car. We left and got home. He called me the next weekend. He said, I need you to take me back on Monday morning or Monday afternoon. And I said, your car is not ready? He said, no, uh, it's, it's, they're still getting parts for it. It was his Corvette that he had taken dirt riding with and broke something. <laughs> And I said, okay. He said, well, bring your Cadillac and wear your hat and coat. And I said, why? And he said, just, just because. And I said, okay. 
I, I thought maybe, you know, I, I didn't know why. So we got there, went through the same thing. Well, this happened three or four weeks. And I noticed the fans started screaming at me and trying to get autographs. And, uh, you know, I just wouldn't do it. And I would go on upstairs. Well, one day, one Monday, someone, one of the ushers came up and said, David and Carrie want you down in the, uh, by the door. So I said, okay. So I came down and David stuck his head out the uh, door and started laughing and shut the door. And then Carrie stuck his head out the door, started laughing and shut the door. Then the music started and they both came out and they said, come on and walk with us for a minute. And if you remember, did you ever, I don't know if you ever went to Will Rogers, but we go through the, the hallway into the arena and there was a curtain that we could go maybe 50 feet before it broke into the, the ring so no one could see us and we're walking and david i had had knee surgery and david said how's your knee and i said fine carrie reached down and squeezed it and he said does that hurt can you run <laughs> and i said well if i had to and they said well good get our ass <laughs> to the ring and about the music hit and they pushed me through the curtains <laughs> and i had to fight our way to the ring and i was pissed I left when I got back there and I chewed David's ass out all the way home. Uh -huh. I mean, all the way. What were you thinking? You more. And he's just laughing. Well, the next morning my phone rang and it was Fritz and he's and and they were like family at this time. He said, you've got 10 minutes to get to the house. I said, I'll be there in seven because uh -huh. I knew what he wanted. And I got there and everybody was in the kitchen, Doris, kids, everybody was in the kitchen. And I walked in and Fritz said, what were you thinking going to the ring last night? And I looked at the boys who were in the corner, turning their heads, trying not to laugh. I said, I was thinking how I was going to kick their ass today. And he said, what do you mean? I said, I didn't want to go to the ring. And he looked at the boys and, and he said, is he telling the truth? And they shake their head. Yes. Trying not to laugh. And he looked at me and he said, so you really don't want to be part of the business? And I said, no, I don't want to be part of the business. I want to kick their ass. And I kept pointing <laughs> out. <laughs> he looked at the boys and he said, he's really telling the truth. And they shake their head and go, yeah, he's telling the truth. And Fritz quiet for a minute. And I don't know if you remember how Fritz would look down when he was thinking. He kind of looked down for a minute, looked back up and he said, okay, he starts Monday. <laughs> Turns around and walks <laughs> off. <laughs> And the boys, took, now either one of them could have kicked my butt, but they took off running out the back door and I'm chasing them around the pool. So that's how I got started the next Monday. And they, uh, I found out later on, uh, that's the only show I worked at the time uh, was, was Will Rogers and Channel 11 because it, it really was the easiest. And what Fritz was doing was to see if I was going to hang in there and see how I was going to do what I was going to do. And after... Oh, maybe a couple of months. Then they moved me over to Monday night and Friday night to the Sportatorium, which if you ever went to either one of them, those are completely different venues, different fans, different everything. Did they, and, they ever, uh, did they ever give you a job description? Not at that time. No. <laughs> and because I was still, still going around. And, and at that time I was only supposed to work with the Bon Ericks, nobody else. That's all I did was go with the Bon Ericks and back. And uh, so we did that for a while. And then one night uh, on, on Will Rogers, 
on Monday night show, uh, Ken Mantell came out and I was hanging back outside the uh, arena uh, watching and Ken came up to me and he said, and it was a six man tag. And he said, you're bringing the free birds out. I said, no, I'm with the Von Erics. He said, no, from now on, you're with the free birds. I said, what? <laughs> and so the music, you know, the match was how, over. How, how, how well, how well, Bill, did you know the free birds? Did you know that Michael, how crazy they were? I mean, obviously you'd seen them work and all that stuff, but now, now you're assigned to them. No, because I still was just with the Von Erics. And I couldn't even deal with any of the, the heels at the time. So I had no idea. Now, they did, you know. And uh, so anyway, that's how I started to see how I was going to do there. And then I started going to spot shows and ultimately got got to the point. And I brought in uh, Lonnie, uh, Lonnie Grammatico. And, and he stayed a while. And then when everything split, when Ken Mantell left, uh, Lonnie went with Ken. And that's when I brought in Curly to uh, back me up so we kept it going did you but that's how i got started bill did you watch wrestling at the time i mean the von Erichs were huge stars especially in dallas the metroplex so when you went there first you didn't know much about them because you were doing your own stuff with the racing but did you did had you watched a little bit of the television program because you knew them yeah i knew who they were because they came in and watched me practice and race i mean i had i had known them since they were little kids but i just but, had not watched I wasn't, I wasn't watching wrestling, you know. Did, I, did, I was, did you, did, so you weren't aware of the popularity of that was building with those young guys at the time. I mean, just, you know, they, they were skyrocketing up. And this, this had to be at the very beginning of, of their free birds are just coming in, all this stuff. All of a sudden, this, right. this business there in Dallas is starting to explode behind behind the Von Erich family and the Freebirds. So, so you you were you were just a friend. You had you had no you wasn't really interested in the business at all, right? So you were just watching all this growth. I had no idea I could be part of the business and I wanted to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It and you know, I living in Wichita Falls, uh, we moved from there when I was 13, but on Friday nights back then, and that was in the 50s and 60s, uh, you know, our parents would move every kids would take turns spending the night with neighbors you know one night we'd spend the night at randy's house and rick's and then ours and our parents would move one of the tvs into the bedroom and we'd be up all night we'd watch wrestling to start with and then one of those horror movie things so i was familiar with it and and familiar with some of the guys i ended up getting to work with like gary hart and uh bronco and things like that that i watched you know when i was a kid who would have thought at that time that I would be having dinner with one of them, uh -huh. you know, or I was a pallbearer at one of the funerals. Uh, you know, who would have thought that when I was 10, 11, and 12? Did you know Ack at all from uh, Wichita Falls area from back then? Did not. Uh -uh. For those for those that uh, are listening, Skandar Akbar was from, from that area and grew up there and ended up going in the military for a variety of reasons, mainly uh -huh. actually went for two reasons, two broken yeah. legs on the same guy. <laughs> yeah, to get yeah. out of jail <laughs> that's right yeah Ak and i talked a lot about about wichita falls in fact i it ended up uh, i knew his brother uh uh or knew who his brother was from wichita falls i think it was his brother no jim uh, adele weaver when dale was that that's his brother what is that one of the brothers because one of his brothers was a big time disc jockey up in oklahoma city 
Well, this whoever this was, they owned the uh, shoe store there in Wichita Falls. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it turns out that that we knew uh, knew some of the same people where where I was. My dad had been moved from Lubbock to Wichita Falls to open Spears Furniture Stores there. And uh, so, you know, I was there for 10 years from the time I was three until I was 13. Did you ever talk to Carrie and David about why they wanted you in the business? I I didn't want to because I was going to get ticked. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I had, uh, my dad had a lot of businesses. He had the uh, first motorcycle shop in the world that had major franchises on one floor back in the 60s. Uh, and that's how we knew the Von Erics. I, uh, uh, just you're talking just, about Denton, Texas, right? Denton, at the yeah. Uh, and I forgot what I was saying. I brought that up and I forgot where we were going with it. <laughs> about whether uh, you asked them why uh, they wanted you in the business. Oh, uh, I knew that, that my dad, with what he had, I was going to inherit either the furniture end or the motorcycle ends or do something. And I wanted to know what I could do if it wasn't. And so I became and went to the school to become a police officer. And that, that didn't last very long. I didn't, didn't like that. And then I became a, a bounty hunter, which I liked and ended up in San Francisco with Papa Ralph Thornton for a while. And uh, with my background there, I had come back and uh, I guess that's where David and Carrie wanted me was from my past. I, they never said it. And I never asked, but I, it was like you said a while ago, and this, this was a great time where everything was coming around and turning loose in a, in a good way. And I think they just wanted somebody to, to look like they were doing something. They wanted, they, they wanted, they wanted somebody around them who could legally shoot somebody. That's what it was. <laughs> so, so you went from one side of the law to the other. You went from being a, a police officer to being a free bird. Yeah, wow, and, wow. And that's, and that's about as far apart on the law spectrum as you can. Yeah. Oh, definitely, and, yeah. And and James just brought up a story that Kevin tells anytime he's on the radio and, and like on the Bo and Jim show. Uh, you know, <laughs> Bo will say, tell me a story about Bill. And Kevin starts laughing until he can hardly speak, and he's got a good one. Uh, we were coming out of, out of uh, Will Rogers one night, and we were in my Cadillac, which was a diesel. And it wouldn't get out of its own way. <laughs> and uh, it was Carrie and Kevin, their wives. Brian Adidas was in the front seat with me. Someone had given us a case of beer. And we're on the highway heading back. And this 65 Mustang pulls up next to us and weaves over and then weaves back, weaves over. And Carrie's sitting directly behind me. And he said, well, maybe they know who we are. So he rolled the window down when they did or when he did. They threw a beer bottle through the back window and it hit Kathy. <laughs> so Carrie rolled the window up. And again, we were in a diesel that would not get out of its own way. And they were in a little 65 Mustang. There was no way I was going to outrun them. They pulled up again and started weaving in and out. And I said, screw this. So I just, I was wearing a shoulder holster and I had a 357 mag with a two inch barrel on it. And uh, I had my left hand on the steering wheel. I'd rolled the window down. When they came up again, I put my right hand over my left arm and fired three shots into the hood of the car. 
and rolled the window up quickly and put the gun back in my holster and no one's saying anything. And I've got both hands on the wheel and I'm sure my eyes were big. I going, did I just do that? <laughs> and so, so Adidas just kind of clears his throat and reaches down and starts handing beer out to everybody. And everybody takes a drink and Brian's still looking straight ahead. And he goes, those things make a lot of noise shooting them off in a car, don't they? <laughs> and again, it was a two inch barrel. The gun was in the car and everybody's going, huh, what? And now we start ringing our ears trying to go, did he just say something? So, you know, that was, that was the story. Now the end of it, which Kevin didn't know about three weeks later, and this was coming up on Thanksgiving, I'm at the ring doing what I did before the first of the match, looking to see who may be problematic, signing autographs, talking to people, you know, just being down there. And one of the ushers came down and said, Kerry wants you up in his dad's office. And I said, okay, tell him I'll be there in a minute. So when I got up there, Kerry's sitting behind the desk with both hands flat on the desk in a blue envelope between them. And Kerry's looking very professional, sitting up straight. And, and I was just looking at him and he said, have a seat. Very. I said, I don't think so. And he's trying not to laugh. And he takes one hand with three fingers and slides that envelope across to me. And he said, open that. And I said, once again, I don't think so. And he starts laughing then. And I said, okay, whatever. I opened it up and it was a Thanksgiving card. And it said to Kevin or to Carrie and Bill, we're the kids you shot the car the other night. We just wanted to wish y'all happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> and they would they would send us cards every Christmas, every for several years, Halloween and pictures of them. And apparently it was what I mean, they had to I I thought they were young and apparently they were. And not supposed <laughs> to be drinking. And uh, you know, they had to go tell their dad, How did you get how do we get your car shot? You know, well, somebody just hit, drew by and sh drew, drove by and shot us. You know, they couldn't say they threw a beer through Kerry Von Eric's back window, you know, and the bodyguard shot them. So we got away with it, but they did know who we were. And they would, they, in some of the envelopes, they'd send pictures of us that they had taken and, and uh, send us Christmas cards and things every year. <laughs> so, 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 so now you know why they wanted Bill around. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a unique way to get pen pals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. I can't yeah, tell you how is. I can't tell you how many times I'd walk back to the back of it and there's a little little area, John knows this, where where you come in to the sportatorium in the back where a lot of the boys would come in. There's a little hallway there and a stairway that led up to Fritz's office and and I'd go back to the back after some matches and Bill be like, have, have some guy spread out on the concrete down there. Bill on top, I was waiting on the cops to come pick the guy up. <laughs> <laughs> you just step over them and go on into the dressing room. It, it was a fun time. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, Bill, Bill adds, these kids are growing in the business and you're adding, you're adding more Von Erics to the card each and every week, it seems like. Or, and your responsibilities are growing. Then, then all of a sudden they tell you to go over the free bird. What was your reaction then? Because I'm sure you're, you're a shoot observer and you see the free bird. Am I sure I want to even be around these guys? Or tell us <laughs> well, a little bit about a free bird. <laughs> I, I first 
check to see if my pants were dirty in the back. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I, I, I'm going, seriously, I've got to become a heel. And because no one had told me anything about that. No one had told me how to do that. Did you don't want to heal the baby face was rather good guy, bad guy or anything like that? Well, I knew that, but I still, at that point, you know, for a while, I wasn't even allowed in the dressing rooms. I had to wait outside. I mean, it was, they were, I guess Fritz was waiting to see before I got smartened up, you know, totally how things were going to go. I mean, you know, good idea and things like that, but uh, it was, it was an interesting, fun uh, well, time. The, the, the thing a lot of people don't understand about the sportatorium when you're there, the fans are right there. Oh, I, mean, yeah. I mean, you walk down the aisle from the dressing room and, and, and there's no way to keep them from getting to you. And 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 Bill will be fighting his way and kind of spreading guys out of the way and moving them on, on the on the babyface side. They just want to try to get in and touch you or whatever, or say something, pat you on the back. On the other side, it could get kind of rough sometimes. You know, when, when somebody had a lot of heat, you know, and and so it was it was a whole different experience trying to escort those guys down the down the hall. Oh, it was. You know, there was uh, on the Bo and Jim show. I brought it up, and he couldn't believe it but I used to catch people and it wasn't just guys with these baby torches. They'd bring these little cans of deodorant in and a cigarette lighter and they'd make a flame when we were coming down the hill aisle trying to do it. And like James said, those aisles were so narrow. There wasn't any way to get down there safely. And it and started like, I mean, cut y'all bill, but there's no barriers. No, 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 nothing. Barriers. Yeah. There were no barriers. Little one yeah. little rope that went around the the ring, but that was it. And there was there was nothing uh, from from the time we opened the door to come out. It didn't matter whether it was a baby face or heel aisle, either one. Uh, it was going to be packed, and and we were fighting our way through. You know, people have asked where I I liked best. You know, with all the places, the sportatorium was the roughest, the the maddest, the most dangerous. But it's one that in my memory, it was it was kind of like everybody coming home on the week. You know, you, you might have been at, at spot shows or something else all week, but it was it was the uh, where you were supposed to be. You know, for for wrestling, you know, it was a, it was just the what the the reputation you thought it was going to be, and it was. You know, it really was. You know, fans used to have cigarettes too, or hat pins they'd stick you with as well. I'm oh sure, yeah, I'm sure you saw all of that. I mean, it's for, for the modern day wrestling fan. I think they find it hard to believe because it, it, you don't have that anymore. You know, you get you know nowadays you get arrested, you get charged. Back then, it was it wasn't that big a deal. <clears throat> somebody stick a put out a cigarette on you or stick you with a hat pin or something. No, when I was when I first started at Sportatorium, there were and no one filled me. I had to kind of learn on my own it to start and then start asking questions but it was a a everybody was outside the ring it was where everybody came running in from the dressing room and i noticed all the guys not were starting to jump up and and reach on their backside and i saw this little old lady and she had one of those long hat things and i thought she was part of the gimmick <laughs> I didn't, I didn't <laughs> and i'm sitting there watching her Poke, I thought, I said, man, that's looking real. <laughs> and then I found out it was, and I had to grab her and 
take it away from her and get her back. But yeah, it, it was, yeah, it all, was all the more back. reason why security needs to be smartened up. At well, and I don't think anybody, I think I was kind of like sunshine. I don't think anybody had ever done actually what I was doing at the time, uh, you know, and, and having to deal with, with those things because they use, you know, all the other venues and, and places had, had security teams, which the Sportatorium and Will Rogers had and all of those too. But uh, now, now Will Rogers, where they had security, were you, were, did you sell the company guys down or, or what was your role at that time? Yeah, but it was, it was more for the show thing for the Von Erics, I think at that time, because that was pretty easy venue to work, yeah. uh, you know, and it was a completely type different crowd. I mean, I, Truthfully, I can't remember ever having to to do anything at Will Rogers. At the Sportatorium, what was the most violent act that you ever had to police there, if you can remember? Oh, God, there was a lot of them. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the the broken bottles, the the uh, knives, uh, you know, we took away some guns. Uh, wow. But but normally what what I would do is is before the matches start, I would walk around and talk to people, sign autographs, take pictures, do whatever. And the ones that wouldn't look at me, those are the ones I was going to watch later and say, okay, you're trying not to, to get caught at something. And, and usually they're the ones that were going to cause a problem. And if I saw someone specifically like that, uh, then I didn't come back to the ring immediately. I'd, I'd stand up on top and wait until I saw them getting ready to do something and then come down and get them that aspect and then take them to the back with to the hallway that james was just talking about (laughs) put them down and and uh that's usually where where uh i would get excited back there because they try and get out and i I was i was putting them down and waiting until the police got there you you mentioned gary hart who's near and very dear and near to me uh throughout my career and i love gary hart his wife twinkle and 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 i Many, many great stories. Gary, Gary, Gary was one that would take take action on his own a lot of times. Did you ever have to pull Gary away from a lot of guys? Or no, no, uh, I really didn't have to do that. I, you know, I had to pull people away from them. Uh, who was the worst? You know, I, who was the heel that? Who was the heel that you're like, oh, this guy's gonna beat up half the crowd? Uh, probably Buddy Roberts. Really? <laughs> but part of it was my fault, too. <laughs> I, I told him to go after one guy once, and he started like, I couldn't get I couldn't get to the guy. So I told him he'd been causing problems for weeks, and he would get close to the aisle and, and jump back in the middle where I couldn't wade in to get him. So I told Buddy, I pulled Buddy out, and I showed him who the guy was. I said, I'm going to take let someone else take you to the ring. And I said, stop and start jacking with that guy and get him to come out to the aisle where I can get him. <laughs> and he did it. But but Buddy would, uh, with with me, you know, we hung out a lot uh, outside the uh, the ring. And, that ought to tell you a lot about Bill right there. Yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> Bill, one time we're in Nashville and, and Buddy came in this way. I mean, already had the uh, tracheotomy, I guess, on the throat. And uh, he came in, he was waiting on Michael to drive back to Atlanta. So, you know, it's okay if, you know, everybody's getting the same level of uh, intoxication. But if there's one that's worse than the others and everybody else is sober, it's not a good time. 
So me and no. Ron got Buddy absolutely hammered <laughs> for the no, ride back no. with Michael Hayes to Atlanta. Michael not Hayes a hard, mad- not a hard thing to do, by the way. <laughs> Michael Hayes was mad at us for months. He goes, "You oh. assholes, got Buddy so drunk." <laughs> I had to listen to him oh. the whole way to Atlanta. Buddy you was something else. Yeah. And he would when when he was in those situations, especially when he got in a fight with his wife, he would start yeah, and then yeah. he'd just start bawling. I mean, just crying his eyes out, you know. <laughs> you know okay, buddy. Okay, pat him on the back, say it's gonna be okay, bud. It's gonna yeah. be okay. <laughs> yeah. At least you didn't tell Gordy that. Uh, God only knows what would happen if you told Gordy that to uh, get this. Oh, guy. I, I I had an instance with him too. Uh, it uh, uh, we were at a club in Denton actually, and uh, Bam was really wasted, and uh, for whatever reason, there were some kids that wanted to start a fight. Uh, outside when we were leaving and Terry was so drunk I didn't and, and uh, Kat was with him uh, and uh, so I said get him in the car and get him out of here and she's trying now he sees that I'm getting ready to get in a fight so he wants to stay and, and back me up and uh, she's got him pinned against this 65 Mustang and he starts beating the roof going I gotta get the bill gotta get and he dented the roof. So she she finally got him in the car and left. And uh, on my end of it, all these kids, they got in line. They didn't jump me. They got in line and tried to take me on one at a time. Wow. And boom, boom, you know, I, I took them down. What I found out later, there were three police cars sitting across the street watching it all. Uh-huh. And they knew, and they called, they called, Bam's wife the next day because they knew her and they said that was Bill out there in the parking lot wasn't it <laughs> she's going why he said well, we were sitting over there watching she said well why didn't you come over and help him he said he was doing fine we didn't want to get in on it <laughs> Bam Bam one time we're on our way to Europe and and we've, we've all been there he, he had had a little too much to drink and so Mr. Briscoe goes up to him and says Bam Bam I gotta ask you just you know Kind of, kind of keep it, slow it down just a little bit. You know, don't don't go any further. And Bam Bam looks at me, goes, "Jerry, I love you." And he hugged him, and they both went over a chair into the ground, <laughs> right, right, right yeah. in this fancy airport lounge. So there you have the free bird and Mister Briscoe rolling around on the ground, hugging each other. <laughs> Jerry, Jerry, you you were asking about how Bill got influenced by the free bird. Well. He he didn't get in get into all this reason why they were hanging out and didn't he he hung out with those guys all the time. Well, it sounds I mean, like it. Uh, yeah, yeah, that that whole group, you know, and 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 if you don't know it, you're talking to Sunshine's true love right there. <laughs> uh, you really weren't going to bring that up, I didn't. Oh, here we oh, go. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I was going to bring it up. Thank you, James. Uh, you want to continue that line there? <laughs> yeah, take it, take it, take it, and run with it. Talk, tell us about true love. <laughs> I, I, I wonder how long it takes to get to Tyler tonight and get back before dark. <laughs> we yeah, we might yeah, yeah. have. Go ahead. Yeah, you 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 think she was with Jimmy Garvin, but that was only a show. That was only a show. That was only a show. Yeah, there's the there's the real guy right there. We we might have gotten engaged one night. 
sound like my it, kind of night. <laughs> it, it wasn't. It wasn't my idea. I'll put it that way. <laughs> I was. Well, it probably wasn't sunshine either. There. <laughs> it, no, it, it, apparently it was hers. Uh, we were back home late. Well, yeah, we were kind of living together too. I'm laying on the couch. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. You were kind of living together. Well, I kept my I kept my apartment that I could go to whenever it was necessary. But I was I was laying on the couch one night watching TV and and we were arguing in in kind of the fun way you know that couples do you know I mean it wasn't a fight it was going you know what do you want to eat I don't know you decide what you know that kind of thing something like that and I I kind of laughed and I said. We might as well be married going through this. Uh, well, she got quiet, turned around, went into the kitchen and called her mom in Florida. And I'm listening. She said, Bill just asked me to marry him. Oh, and I sat straight up in the sofa and I'm looking, I'm going, I did what? And she, and she said, she said, no, uh, hang on a minute. She put the phone down and I laid back down real quick. And she came in and looked over the, the back of the couch and said, yes, I will. And turned around and walked off. <laughs> I went back and told her mom. And I'm going, crap, what did I just do? <laughs> so, Every, everyone thought there were hot angles going on at the sportatorium with world class. But the hottest angles were the ones with, between the girlfriends and the wives of the free birds and Bill and that bunch down there. That was, <laughs> that, those, were the, those were the best fights of the world. <laughs> well, what was funny the next night we were uh, doing a show, a spot show at that, uh, oh, what's the name of that big ranch? They made a movie out of the guy that ended up South in prison. In Denton, right outside of Denton. Starts with a C. We had a, anyway, think about it. And then we were doing a show that night. And uh, when I got there, Carrie and Chris Adams were in the uh, dressing room and I walked in to, to say hi. And they were both bent over tying their boots and they acted like I wasn't there. And Carrie looks over at Chris. He said, and Bill really asked her to marry him. <laughs> and Chris said, yeah. And I heard she said, yes. What was Bill thinking? And other words, what was she thinking? I said, bite me. I turned around and left. And I could hear him laughing. So that went on for a while. And, uh, you know, next night, I've got pictures. Uh, somebody took the pictures. Uh, that Friday night, I got to the sportatorium, and it all went up that, hey, congratulations, we heard you're getting married. Uh, I'm going, yeah, I heard that too. <laughs> yeah. That's one of, the, one of those examples of tell a wrestler, you know. That's what yeah, they say. Exactly. Yeah. So how did you get out of it, Bill? Well... <laughs> Oh, wow. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I did. She's still waiting for the ring. Of, she she left know, the territory. I, I know. We got one her booked in Florida. Show, uh, <laughs> we, we hey, Fred, hey, French, could you book Sunshine in Florida? <laughs> we, had, we had been to a spot show and then, then uh, went to, to party afterwards. And she was pretty, pretty wasted. And she woke up and rolled over and she said, we ought to go to Oklahoma tomorrow and get married. And I'm thinking, because it hadn't been really brought up outside of the couple of parties that, you know, people had for us. 
And I'm thinking real quick. I said, well, honey, I said, that's Oklahoma and tomorrow is Sunday. And Sunday and Monday, you can't have out-of-state weddings there. Oh, okay. She kissed me on I the know cheek. I know a drug that can <laughs> well, I know that wasn't. I was just thinking of something. She was so drunk, she was going to buy it. And uh, so, anyway, how there embarrassing were that would instances. have been to get married in Oklahoma. How embarrassing <laughs> would it have been to get, to get yeah, married? At least it would have been legal there. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was. It was going to be an ongoing thing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> And truthfully, I don't know how I got out of it. I'm sure I ticked her off. <laughs> so, Bill, my, Michael was on our show, and I, and I love Michael. I, anybody who's met Michael pretty much loves Michael. So he's telling a story. He goes, I was down in Lake Charles, and I was moonwalking on the bar, and I run into a ceiling fan, knocked myself out, and I woke up in bed naked and did the garbage. And, and, and that wasn't the part of the story. He was, I said, wait, wait a minute. Come out. Come out. You, wait a minute. No. The, the, people don't understand how crazy the free birds actually were. You oh, know, absolutely. I mean, th those are the three most insane human beings that ever walked on the planet, right? Valerie and I went to, uh, it was Thanksgiving or Christmas at Betty's house. And it was amazing. The table was laid out just very professionally. The, the silverware, the everything, uh, wine. I mean, it was not anything like you would think Buddy Roberts would be doing until we got to the end. And he said, come in, we've got a special movie. So we went in the living room and it's, it's that, and I can't remember the name of it, but it's, it's a movie and there were several of them where people kill animals and eat them live. <laughs> and, that's, and that's what we were having to watch on Thanksgiving or Christmas. And it was, I mean, it was. Whose who's, who's house was this? It, Buddy Roberts. Wow. <laughs> uh, right, right down, you know, he had to come back and be Buddy at some place. That's, that's where it was on the entertainment after dinner. <laughs> All that formal <laughs> stuff was, it lasted long enough, but I got to get back to film on animals. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Probably didn't have seconds. That was probably his whole deal to keep him from having seconds. So he could have them. <laughs> it, was, buddy, it was something yeah. else. <laughs> so tell us a Michael Hayes story. You've got to have a million. Which one of us? You. you. I really don't on, on Michael. We didn't travel much together. You travel with uh, Buddy. I traveled with Buddy and and Robert. So, but we okay. go to the ring. Those guys, those guys, it's pretty amazing. When, except for wrestling the Von Erics, those guys were cheered a lot too, right? Oh yeah, they uh, they had it. You know, the, the people would scream and yell at them in the ring, but the minute that that uh, we were getting them back and after the show. They were in line to get autographs, you know, get hugs, get, you know, <laughs> yeah, it was, they loved them. It was a crazy thing. If you put them against the Von Erics, they hated them. They put them against anybody else, like Axe guys or something. And, oh, yeah. You know, they, they were big fans. Yeah. Real weird. I always thought they were the first uh, attraction heels. You know, Magnum TA was kind of the same, you know, where you don't have a, a pure heel, you know, a pure, you know, Killer Tim Brooks type heel. You have a, a heel that 
is just an attraction. You know, a guy like, you know, say Roman Reigns is now or say DX was back in the day of the Attitude Era or, you know, the, the Four Horsemen were very similar to that. You know, it's just, they were the first attraction type heels that people just wanted to see. And they didn't care who it was against. Von Eric said, boom, somebody else said, cheer them. Yeah. Yeah. They were very much like that. Bill, what was it like then? I mean, you guys were, the, that was one of, I don't know how a wrestling territory could be any hotter. You know, you, you might say this territory was as hot, but you guys were selling out whatever you put the Von Erichs and Freebirds names on uh, everywhere. That had to be a crazy time to be part of something that was so hot. I mean, I'll give you an example. But about a few months ago, I was down in uh, Athens, Texas, where I go all the time. And I was sitting there and a the guy says, yeah, man, the, the guy walked in like a star, like a Von Erich. You know, the Von Erichs were 40 years ago. And they still talk about them with reverence today in Texas. You know, now with the movie, it's going to be, you know, that again. But this was before the movie. I mean, people still consider them. That's the star you you look at when you look at a star. That had to be a wild time for you. Well, the, you know, the, the Dallas Cowboys only showed up at an autograph session when, when we were going to be there once. They wouldn't do it again because of all the fans went there. Six Flags closed down one day when when we were there and got everybody out i mean it was just amazing when when i would take uh, you know especially carrie or david to go shopping you know like during christmas and things like that i'd have to get the fans they would i mean no one knew we were going in there but everybody would go nuts and we couldn't shop and i'd have to get a group together and say okay look we're going to be down at the other end in an hour and carrie's going to be signing autographs david whoever was there said get in line down there and they would run down there or we'd run out the other door you know so so we could shop it was just it was amazing on them back then it really was was there any thought during that time i mean before david died i mean you were there with around fritz around the boys cable television is taking over the country so somebody's going to go national you know blanchard got it first on the usa network down in san antonio uh, then you had WTBS out of Atlanta. So somebody's going to go national. If it, you know, if it wasn't Vince McMahon, it was going to be somebody, you know, the territory system was, was going to end at some point because somebody was going to fill that void and take over that national spot. Was there any talk during that time that they, you knew of about the potential of Texas going national or the coming uh, wave that was the national television coming that could hurt Texas? No, I was never really part of anything like that and brought in on, on things like that. Uh, you know, rumors and, and that type of thing. But James would probably know better on that than I would. Yeah, the, the, there was a lot of talk during during one period of time there where that uh, even Vince was interested in, in working with, with uh, Fritz and, and trying to do some kind of cooperative type situation with them. And, you know, Fritz just didn't want to do anything like that because he, he was kind of loyal to the territory system and, and the other promoters. And he, he was, he was afraid that that would be stepping on their toes because later on, after he pulled out of the NWA, I don't think he cared, but, but uh, there was some talk about it at one time and there's no telling what would have happened if he'd done that. Yeah, James, you're exactly right. That, that that you know, as much as they want to knock the NWA and and uh, and say bad things about them, those guys were a loyal group. I know the same thing. You know, we had TBS. The same thing. Jack and I would would start talking about uh, expansion and stuff like that. 
we'd be shut down right away. No, I'm not going in his territory. He's helped me out in the past. Those guys had such friendship and such a bond. It, it's, it's really a credit to, to the NWA how tight those guys really were because they, they but you know, they, they had some sharp cookies there. Eddie Graham and Fritz and a lot of those guys, they, they were watching as soon as, as soon as Barnett hooked up with that TBS and they become the super station. Uh, there, there's an old story in a newspaper here locally where Eddie went on and said, that's the future of our business. I mean, he saw it right immediately and I'm sure Fritz did too. So, but those guys were so, so tight and bonded together. And then, like I said, it's truly a credit to them, but you know, it, it's unbelievable that nobody really wanted to take that step because of the organization. Hey, Jim, I, know. I don't know if you ever heard this story or Bill. Uh, we had, uh, oh, Jerry Lawler on our show and Lawler Lawler was always so good about getting in the magazines out of Memphis. And so he had wrestled Andre the giant and had won by disqualification. You know, nobody beat Andre, but he won by disqualification. So Bill after came up with the idea, we're going to put out there the day the midget beat Andre and they showed a picture of Lawler <laughs> next to Andre. And, you know, he looked like a, a child, like everybody did next to Andre. Yeah. So anyway, Vince McMahon Sr. gets up at the NWA meeting in uh, Vegas, and they're talking about cable television becoming, and that's the tidal wave, that's what's going to ruin the business. And Vince McMahon Sr. says, that's not what's going to ruin the business. This is what's going to ruin the business. <laughs> this, who is the midget that beat Andre the Giant? Well, Jerry Lawler is sitting there with Jerry Jarrett. He <laughs> to down in his seat, and Terry Funk goes, well, who was the bastard? <laughs> 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 so everybody, you know, everybody nearly saw it coming. It just, yeah. you know, it was something yeah. I think was yeah. going to happen no matter what. What was the dynamic, Bill, between the boys? You know, people talk about the difference between David and Kevin and Carrie, the main three. Uh, but what was the dynamic between the three and the differences? Well, to start with, they were true brothers. You know, they they uh, were uh, like brothers are supposed to be. And the the uh, differences, you know, Kevin was more off on his own uh, with his wife and and kids. Uh, I didn't I didn't really travel much with him. Uh, it was mostly Carrie and, and David, and and we were close. Uh, you know, David is the one that that I was really <clears throat> closest to to start with. And when he passed, a couple of weeks after that, Carrie called me back into the dressing room and sat down. He said, he said, I want to be your brother. And I said, Kerry, we are brothers. He said, no, like you and David were. And about that time, we both got tears in our eyes. I said, Kerry, I love you. I said, you're my brother. You know, you are my brother. And, and we hugged and went on. <laughs> uh, the, the differences, uh, David would have been what Fritz was, or even better, probably. James would know more about that, yeah. uh, you know, from, from ringside. Kerry was a, uh, Kerry was like a rock star. He didn't have to perform that good to be, I mean, he did, but he didn't have to because he had other, other things. And Kevin uh, was just kind of there. I mean, you know, Kevin got there 
late, left early. And I'm not taking anything away from Kevin. It's just he he was that was his job. Yeah, you know, I don't I don't know that that he was in love with it as much as as especially David. You know, James may know more about that than I do. Well, David got shipped to Florida, right, Jerry, to, to yeah, learn how yeah, to yeah. Yeah, they, they, they all they all did they all they all did eventually. Uh, Richard sent them all to Eddie down here, and 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 uh, to Jack and I, and 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 so we could kind of mentor them and 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 work and all that, like we did Barry Wendell and those guys. So, but yeah, yeah, but uh, David, you're you're right, Bill. David was really the businessman of the ones, and I, and I knew David the best, you know, because I was around him here in Florida for such a long time, and and working the territories with him, up working in Georgia, and Carolinas, and St. Louis with him, so. I got to know him very well and became friend friends with him, and uh, as I did the other guys. But you know, during during your work, yeah, was there anything that ever alerted you to the to the dangerous lifestyles these guys were living? I'm I'm speaking now of of, of, the, of the street stuff, and how concerned were you? Are you talking to me? Yeah, that's me. Uh, a lot, uh, Fritz. When when they moved to East Texas. When, when Doris and, and uh, Chris would be gone, Fritz would call me and ask me to come down there and, and uh, uh, you know, to hurry while they're gone. You know, we'd pass ways. And that's what he would want to talk to me about is, is Carrie, most, mostly. You know, how can we work with Carrie? What's Carrie up to, you know, on, on the bad way? You know, uh, what do you think? Uh, this type of thing. And, and uh you know, I just went along with him, but, you know, I had long talks with Carrie and, and, uh, Carrie even told me once he said, and, and I never did drugs of any kind. I never smoked pot, never did anything, but I drank a lot back then. And I was on Carrie one day and he said, I'm trying to quit. He said, I'm about to quit. I think but he said, I think you're turning me into an alcoholic. And I said, well, if I can get you as an alcoholic, I can get you fixed on that, but I can't do what needs to be done on this other thing. So cut it out. But, you know, he was doing it out in public. He had the the mindset, I guess, that he was untouchable uh, in a lot of areas. A lot of us do back in those days. I mean, we all. Well, yeah, yeah. But he he would he would walk around a club with coke on his nose, you know, and do it at the table. I mean, he 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 didn't go in the bathroom to hide it. you know, and and I'm not talking out of school. Everybody, yeah, I've I've, I've, I've heard those stories are common. I've heard the stories where he would just lay a light out on on the barroom table a lot of times and just yeah, just yeah, I, I wouldn't. Now, now, when you were around, did you you knew the guys that was kind of dealing to him or or supplying him? I'm sure you kind of try to run those guys off and not not let 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 the boys have that kind of context. Yeah, uh, now he kept a lot of that from me. And what I found out from some of the guys, uh, Carrie knew I didn't want anybody to do it. I didn't do any drugs, wasn't going to put up with it. And I've had some of the guys tell me that when they got there, first thing Carrie told them was, if you're going to do anything, do not do it around Bill. You know, I mean, he knew how I felt about it. He knew it wasn't, you know, good. But, you know, through all of that he went through, he had a heart on him. Uh, yeah. He would he would call me and say it's time to go, 
And I knew what it was. It was, I was picking him up and we were going to a children's hospital to go in and sign autograph. Not, not for me to sign autograph, but for him, right. you know, and take pictures and, and do things. And I picked him up at the airport once and he could hardly walk. He'd torn something in his knee and he was in pain. And this was one of the things that we actually had booked at Cook's Children. And um, I said, Carrie, we can't, we can't go in and do that. You know, you've got to, you've got to go and, and uh, I've got to take you to the doctor. And he said, no, he said, we've got to do this. Well, I had to hold him until we got in there. And then he would walk just holding on to the wall. Get out and sit and pray with kids, pray with people, uh, families that had kids and not, you know, doing surgery. <laughs> You know, all those things that, that nobody knows about Carrie, you know, uh, and, and that was the other side of Carrie that was was as real as the bad side. Was. And he had a terrible bad side. Terrible. Bill, I got to travel. Bill, I got to travel a little bit with Carrie, you know, right before he passed away there in the 90s, whenever, whenever year it was. And I, I've been fortunate to be around, you know, some, as we all have, really big stars. The only person I can put close to Carrie is The Rock, as far as charisma. And I'm talking about personal charisma, not just being in the ring. I'd see Carrie go through the airport, and people would want to meet him. And he had that humble style. He'd stop. He'd, you know, they knew exactly who he was. I mean, they 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 yeah. idolized him. And he would stop yeah. and say, "Hi, I'm Carrie Von Eric," and they would just melt. I mean, he had a charisma about him, and this humbleness. This he he was just a good guy. I mean, you know, I know there's a lot of demons, man, he was just a good dude to be around. And I've never seen anybody, maybe, like, like I say, The Rock, that had that charisma about him that was just innate. It was just God-given that when he walked into a place, he was a superstar. And that's something you can't teach. Yeah, no, that's the way Kerry was. I mean, there, there was such a good side to him. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, people like us know that side. The fans only know the bad part you know that's come out uh and that's 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 really a shame did you know how bad his foot was when he had the motorcycle accident yeah so you knew that the yeah. foot was pretty much gone and i mean what yeah. he was trying to do was remarkable basically wrestling without a foot right. yeah. Un unbelievable you know and i would i would go over and pick him up sometimes and he would forget to have the front foot <laughs> uh you know things like that but uh yeah he he uh what he went through with that people should look at just that alone what a strong person he was because nobody else could have done what he did with that foot. no i don't know of anybody they would have tried they would have even tried much less been able to pull it off you didn't seem limp you didn't seem drag it you didn't seem do anything and he would still go over the top rope, you know, and come back down on the floor and land. Now, he did it with stronger foot on the other side, but he was still doing it. Yeah, what what kind of father? Because there's been so much guess. You know, everybody loves the second guess. You know, all these tragedies that, that, that have happened to the Von Eric family, especially in Texas, because they were such part of everybody's, well, I say part, people that grew up, it was part of your life. The Von Erichs were part of your life for so many yeah. people in texas what kind of father was fritz a lot better than it's come out uh you know i was around forever i mean literally i mean the kids were in in junior high and high school 
when I was out, when I knew him. And uh, when David and I would start running around, uh, I'd go over, we'd go over to Fritz and, and Doris's house and we were walking out the door and, and David would turn around and hug Fritz, hug Doris. Fritz would give us $500. And I said, what's that for? And he said, I don't know where you're going, but I don't want to have to come get you out of jail. <laughs> he, would, he would turn around and leave. And, and the first time it happened, I'm walking out the door and I'm looking at David. And I said, is he telling the truth? He said, yeah. <laughs> how how accurate was uh, the, the movie that James was in, uh, you know, had a big part in? How how accurate was the Iron Claw? For the, for those that for those that don't really know the Von Erich story or don't know, I mean, I know a lot of it was you know taken out of you know historically chronologically story, yeah. accurate. But how accurate was it about the characters? James sent me some pictures of the guys and things while he was out in New Orleans, uh, so I could see you know what was you know like the birds and and all of that. And then when I saw it, it was like I was watching you know I I would have been at ringside, you know. Those guys were remarkable on on every move, every iron claw, every every everything. It was I couldn't believe that they did what they did, and it looked original. Had I not known uh, what it was, I would have thought it was the real show. And James, your part in the movie. I mean, how how much of it was we want to be very accurate, uh, either historically or we want to be very accurate as far to the characters of, of the people, as compared to say we want to just create a great drama. Well, I think I think what people have to understand is that it's not a documentary. You know, if if they if they did a documentary about the Von Erich family and told the whole story and included everything people want to seem to want to include in it, you know, like Chris and the timelines being exactly right and, and all that, it, it would take probably a six or eight part documentary to do something like that. So uh, Sean Durkin, the director and the, the guy who wrote the script really kind of had to pare things down to a little over two hours. And, and, and you have to look at it like a movie, a, a separate story really than, than a historical piece. Uh, there, there's a lot of historical accuracy. There's a lot of, a lot of things that aren't accurate. You know, the timelines aren't exactly right. Uh, of course, you know, like there's a big talk about leaving Chris out of the story and that sort of thing. But uh, you, you can't look at it that way. You have to look at it like a movie. It, it, and, and if you do that, I think it's remarkable, incredibly well acted. Uh, uh, the story itself will get you. If, I mean, if you watch it and, and don't feel something at the end of it, there's something wrong with, with you. you know? and, and, and I think the big, po big point is that it was, it was really Kevin's story. You know, it wasn't it wasn't so much about uh, I mean, of course, the tragedies and and all of that was in it. But if, if you think about it, the, the story was really about Kevin and how he dealt with all of that and, and dealt with the business and, and also dealt with being the older brother and kind of kind of being passed by when all the opportunities came. And, 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 I'm, and there were reasons for that. You know, I mean, they hit it on it. You know, David was a better talker. Kerry had more charisma. You know, Kevin, like like uh, uh, Bill talked about, Kevin, Kevin kind of looked at it like a business, you know, and and he he, he showed up for work and he went home and and uh, he wasn't a great talker. I mean, he wasn't bad, but he wasn't a great talker. Didn't have that that uh, outgoing personality, you know, like the other two had. Uh, 
and and to his style i mean and you know this because you were in the ring with him i mean yeah. you it, 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 it was you just get in there and fight that's all you can do oh, lord mean, was it know, and if you didn't <laughs> yes, if you, yeah if you didn't oh buddy back, yeah if you didn't Ke- fight kevin back, didn't mind trouble. kevin didn't mind tatering you and he didn't mind getting tatered no he you just, just it off. yeah in fact absolutely. if you didn't tater him he felt like he didn't do anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like you don't love me anymore or whatever. That's but, right. I mean, but, it was yeah. as physical as it could possibly be every single night with Kevin. But but Kevin liked it the same way. He just enjoyed being out there in a fight. Yeah, and and, and, and you know, and, and Jerry, you know this, being in the business, Jerry knows this, being in the upper echelons of the business, a world champion can't be that way. A world champion has to be a guy that makes everybody else look good. And and yeah. you know you know Kevin Kevin one of those guys that that he'd make you look good as long as you'd fight back but if you didn't then you're in trouble and 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 he just won he just won the guy that you'd probably put the world championship on you know and for those reasons and so he he dealt with that you know and 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 he dealt with all the tragedies and and the, and the family issues and all of that kind of thing and and that's what the story's about that's what the movie's about it's not really not really meant to be yeah. historically accurate. You know, James, it's like it's like the movie Titanic. You know that you know the ending. So yeah. how do you make a movie that's good? You make it yeah. a human interest story, you know, which is what they did with sure. Kurt. You know, because it's sure you know the tragedies, but so but you gotta make it into something, and that's where the cinematic, you know, experience yeah. comes in. Of- yeah, and 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 don't make don't mistake it. There were a lot of accuracies in it also. A lot of the the way they the boys felt about each other the, and interacted, they were very playful, just like it showed in the movie. You know, they that's the way they acted. And and they were very close. They loved each other. No question about that. I think the funny, the, one of the funny parts about it that was that was different is that it made it look like Pam chased Kevin. It really the other way around. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know, but, but but you know it, it's just a wonderful movie uh, yeah. if you just look at it from that standpoint. And yeah. it was an incredible experience to be a part of. It. You know yeah, what's amazing I, is I I I've seen seen Kevin several times. I didn't get to see the premiere because. Uh, what didn't I didn't get to go at the last second, uh, but Kevin has just turned into like that he wasn't before. Just a wonderful guy. Yeah. Oh, he's an incredible guy. Yeah. He's just a good yeah. human being. You know, you listen to interviews yeah. he does. There's there's no bitterness. It's just he's just and you sit there and look and go. I'd like to have dinner with that guy. Yeah, and and he's he's one of those guys that doesn't. He's not embarrassed to tell you how he feels about you. You know, and and that's yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's a good it's a good feeling when you hear that. You know, you know that, that he cares about you, and and, uh, and and that's that's just the way he is. And you know, he loves his family, and uh, you know, it, it was it was really nice to to see, I guess, to see that movie get made because I think it kind of told his his side of things, and uh, and you know, and Bill talked about the wrestling part in there. We took a lot of pride in getting those wrestling scenes right. And I think that they're probably the best I've ever seen in a in a wrestling movie or a movie right. that had wrestling in it. And and Chavo uh, Sh- had a lot to do with that, right? Chavo Guerrero. Chavo Chavo had a, a lot to do with. It. He he we worked with those guys before the movie for I don't know several months. You know, just he's just to teach like them his dad's uncles. He's just as talented as he can be. Oh, unbelievable! Unbelievable! What a great guy, man! I tell you what, we were we yeah. were like that we were like that all through the movie process yeah, he's a good dude uh, yeah we you know he he relied on me to kind of guide the the guys that i'd been in the ring with and telling them you know he would do it this way or he would do it that way or react this way and and that kind of thing and 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 he incorporated all of that into the the scenes and and 
uh, it, it was just it was just a great experience. When it, when it, when it was all over with, he and and Hiro Koda, who was the stunt director, uh, and I went all went out and kind of had our own private little rap party, just the three of us. And yeah. and, and you know it was it was just uh, I, I can't tell you how much it meant you know to be a part of that. James, James, I've read some incredible interviews from the actors, you know, and about their their thrill of playing the Von Erichs. Did that come across on on the on the set? I mean, were they, were these guys real professional? Were they really wanted to know? Did they question you? Am I? Yeah. Saying, Is this the attitude? Is this yeah, the Jerry, personality that I'm trying to reach here? One hundred percent, Jerry. I've never, you know, you hear all these tales about uh, actors who are kind of prima donnas and that kind of thing. None of those guys were like that at all. In fact, they were they were so dedicated to trying to get it as right as they could get it. And you know how hard it is to learn wrestling. You know, and, and they had that little bit of training, you know, and then, but they insisted on doing these spots themselves. I mean, we'd have guys that would show it to them and, and, and do it. But, but when we, when we actually take, they're doing all those things. And, uh, and they were always inquisitive about, is this right? Am, am I doing this right? Or, or, and, and, and if you told them something, you know, they'd take it to heart and just go right to it. You know, uh, Zach, in particular was uh he was he was just so uh intent on getting kevin as right as he could get him uh the the, the last scene i did was the one with flair and him in the match toward the end of the movie and that we take that thing all day long we got through with it and um got out of the ring and i walked around and i was going i was going to tell sean durkin the director goodbye and you know my last day and everything and he he, he told the the uh assistant director he said get on the horn and make the announcement that this is his route so he did that and, and there was a big response from all the crew and everybody was there on, on the set you know and that made me feel good and i turned around to walk off and zach had come back out of the dressing room and he gave me a big hug and thanked me for helping that, that was the kind of nice. that was the kind of attitude they had and 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 to be honest with you that that ranks right up there with some of the greatest honors i've had in this business just just that feeling you know that, that moment that yeah that moment of respect from somebody that has achieved something very big in a different world yeah yeah absolutely a different, yeah, a different world correct yeah 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 it was it was it was like it was like a hall of fame honor really so kind of the same thing i i heard pete rose one day uh was was he i think he may have said it in his hall of fame speech but he said, I was sitting around backstage and he was listening to Blackjack Lanza and Undertaker and, you know, Bret Hart, a bunch of guys in his Hall of Fame. So he had a bunch of the older guys who had been that were no longer working, but legends in the business. And he said, I'm sitting there thinking I've got a window into something. If you were looking in my world, it'd be like Babe talking to Lou Gehrig yeah. or to, to Joe DiMaggio or Mickey Mantle. He said, I got to hear that in your business. And it was so cool the way that Pete Rose said that. It was so respectful to say, I'm, basically, you know, Pete Rose, all-time hits leader, he goes, yeah. it was so cool to sit there and listen to the legends of your business and understand the significance of that's important. Yeah. It's always great when people have that respect. Absolutely, yeah. It's just it's, it's wonderful feeling. Good, good to see and good to feel, you know. What, one, of, one of the things that the movie got horribly wrong, though, is uh, I, I told the actor who was playing Bill's part, I walked up to him after we were having a lunch one day in the, in the deal, and I said, brother, I said, I hate to tell you this, but you're being way too nice. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that to come. 
Hey, hey, Bell, Bell, tell us, how did that feel watching this actor play you on, on the giant screen? I mean, it, what a thrill that had to be. Uh, it was a good shot of him from the back, mostly. <laughs> there, so you're saying that's your me. best side. <laughs> there wasn't much of me facing. It was, it was I, I, always I, I, leaving I, the ring. Jerry, I, I, Jerry, there's been a few few instances where I've, I've, I've coaxed Bill into showing up at this show or that show or whatever event we were doing. And, and, and he'd say, well, you want me to bring the hat? And I'm saying, <laughs> I said, that's really all I care about. Just bring the hat. <laughs> I've said, without, I'm that, 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 that's JBL without the hat. On, he's not JBL, you know, so yeah, I got hats everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all hat, no cattle. That's what yeah. they uh, say. That's, 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 that's what the people in Texas. And if I say. go somewhere and I'm not wearing the black one, everybody gets ticked. Uh, gotta be the yeah. black one. <laughs> yeah, gotta be the black one. But you know, if you look at the look at the tapes and stuff, about half the time, especially in the summertime, in that old hot building, he'd wear a straw hat. Yeah. So Bill, Bill's been, been, been so close to these guys all you know your entire career there. What did you think of the movie? And did you think it hit hit the points that should have been? I mean, like like, and I agree so much with James. I mean. It's not a documentary. If you want a damn documentary, wait to wait for that. But there'd be so many episodes have to come out. But you know, just just a general layman going there. Is he getting a picture that that you have of these these young men who who, who gave the life to this business, or, or what? Is, what's your feeling? Um, well, you know the the fans that are going nuts over this didn't know the families for the most right. part, real, right. and I actually. You know, I've worked with every one of the kids, every one of the grandkids, and Fritz's father. So I've been from Fritz's father all the way through. Wow! 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 And, uh, Fritz's father was in the business. I don't, I don't know. No, it, it was when we had the motorcycle shops. Okay. He used to come grab me and and get me to. Uh, I was in high school. Help me with the uh, Kiwanis clubs and things like that. He was dealing with when I worked with him, I didn't have any, it wasn't with the wrestling matches, but I did work with him. Wow. What was Fritz's father like? Uh, not what you would expect. He was a little short guy and really, uh, was that Hans von Eric? <laughs> do what? <laughs> yeah, Sergeant oh, Schultz. Sergeant yeah. Schultz. <laughs> Yeah, he he, uh, when he when he would come get me, I would go. I I did what he said. You know, he was he was. You he know, was I only got to meet Fritz a couple times. You know, but and I'm it's again, it's like meeting one of your idols. You know, you're you're for one, it's a very good experience, and I don't mean it in that way. Though they say don't meet your idols. I met my idols, and they were they were awesome. They're beyond belief as far as how good they were. But Fritz was just this commanding presence. It seemed to me. I mean, he was just like the ultimate alpha male. You know, he walks in, he goes, that's a tough old guy. You know, <laughs> just like when he talks, everybody listens. Is that how you kind of saw him as well? Yeah, he was He was like that. Uh, but he also told me, you know, I had known him since I was a kid. And, and people were shocked when I would get away with things at the Sportatorium, you know, messing with him. They're going, that's Fritz. I said, I know it, you know but I've been doing that since I was a kid. He messes with me, you know, and, uh, you know, everything that, that came out in the movie about him was for the movie. Uh, 
you know, from, from those of us that were close back then, I never saw anything like, like they're talking about. I never heard any of the boys when they were with me bitch about their dad. And, and it was always, they loved him. They were going to do what he, he needed. Uh, when I would go pick up Carrie or David, either one at the house, when we go by, uh, they would go in and, and hug, uh, you know, both mom and dad. And, and, uh, I never heard Fritz, you know, yelling or, or doing anything that, that that part was. And I never heard the, any of the boys complain about it either. Yeah. When we were uh, open I, about a lot of things. I remember the last time I saw Fritz, I, I was, Kevin and I were riding together and we were coming back from, I, I think we were coming back from Oklahoma, to be honest with you. Why Kevin's <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're getting faster. The we best thing about Oklahoma, leaving. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, we we came through we came through Denton and and, and uh, Kevin said you mind going by like Dallas by then Fritz was his kind of sick and and uh, Doris was gone and and um, he's always living there by himself at an old place and and uh, I said sure we'll go by there and we because it's late and we we pulled up to that place and he said come on I said no I'll just sit here and wait for you if you want to see your dad you know so. He went in the house and he was in there for three minutes and he came back out and he said, dad said, come in. So I said, okay. So I went in, we I talked a little while, but it was kind of sad because, you know, you, you, I remember this big tough guy that, that uh, commanded all that kind of respect and that, that feeling you were talking about, you know, and, and, and he, he was kind of frail and, 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 you know, kind of weak and, and, but, but you could feel, you could really feel the love that Kevin had for him. You know, it was, it was obvious and, and, and vice versa, the way Fritz had felt about Kevin, you know, and, you know, I, I'll never forget that little that, that moment, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was kind of bittersweet, but it, it was, it definitely told me a lot. Bill, did you ever go to Israel with them? No, no, I never did. That's one of the craziest stories to me because I, I guess what happened was, and James, you or Bill would, would know, I mean, apparently somebody, they got the tapes somehow, maybe a bootleg tape even, and got it on Israel t television and mm -hmm. they ended up becoming these massive stars in Israel, right? Yeah, they, they, they became just out of nowhere, just became like uh, matinee idols over there. And it's from somebody bootlegging a tape or something, right? Yeah, yeah so yeah, I can't, I don't remember the exact story, but it was something about that, something about that. It ended up on their TV somehow. And, it, and they became for some the reason. Massive yeah. stars. It is. Yeah, it was, it of was all like places. A, I mean, uh, yeah. it just, it just yeah. seems like a random country. It could have been Germany, could have been Israel, could have been yeah. Um, yeah. South Africa could have been anywhere, but it just, just happened to be this country. And then all of a sudden they become these big stars, which were one of, you know, Kevin yeah. went up there for an appearance, I guess, recently for the, for the Iron Claw movie. Yeah. I think that's, isn't that where the, the army or, or whatever had to uh, come out and get them off the plane and, and uh, do a, a, not, not a police escort, but an army type. That's escort. right. Cause it was so big. They shut down the airport. I mean, uh, they were, yeah. yeah it's hard to believe how big a stars they were in Israel. And it all started from what I understand. Somebody bootlegged the tape, got it on television. They realized that, Hey, this is a great idea to syndicate this show. And all of a sudden now they've become this uh, <laughs> massive stars in, in Israel. Which, yeah. It's just, it's nuts. You know, you got these, these guys that were obviously uh, big time Christian proponents here in, and, yeah. and, and, and in a Jewish country, you know, they became that big superstar, you know, that, that weird.
Yeah. And, and what I, Bill, one other thing, and I, and I say this because I love gambling and I gamble all, every day. So I'm, <laughs> we had David Manning on and he kind of didn't answer the question. How much money was David Manning uh, gambling? <laughs> that's that's your question, Bill. <laughs> David Manning was a lot. A lot. <laughs> that's, that's kind of what he said to us, but he kind of went, well, I don't, you know. I don't I don't think anybody knows for sure, but if, you know, I heard all sorts of, of wild numbers. And even when I talked to him not long ago, he was talking, I mean, in the last couple of weeks, uh, something came up about casinos and he was, he was big time in it and did very well. If I That's remember. what I heard. I heard he did very, very well. See, I, I'm a, he didn't realize when I asked him that on the show, I'm a big fan of that. I'm, I'm a big fan of the fact that he was such a big gambler and did very well at it. So I was, I've always been curious about how much he was actually gambling because you've heard some crazy stories about how much it was, but you know, he, he hasn't come out and said. Yeah, he had a, he had a lot going on with that. <laughs> and, you know, to give you, to give you a back example, I've worked with every casino in Shreveport I was at the start of Windstar Casino. I've worked with casinos in Vegas. And to this day, I've never even played a penny slot machine. <laughs> I walk out with a check. I don't go in and have to give one. I, I just, I've <laughs> never. Hey, Bill, one other question. I know we're running long on time, but uh, Gino Hernandez, were you there when Gino Hernandez uh, passed away? Yeah. Okay. So there's all kinds of speculation. Was it, uh, so was it what it looked like an overdose or did something, or whether, was there some foul play? What's depends, your take on it? It depends on who you talk to. Uh, my guess is it wasn't an overdose from, from the people I've heard from. Uh, it was, it was, I don't know exactly what it was, but from what I've heard from people that were actually there, yeah, the glass that he was supposed to be drinking the the mixture out of that Kelly wasn't even with the body. Uh, you know, he everything. There's so many things going on about it. Uh, but but from what the people I've talked to that are pretty close to the inside that that knew everything, uh, it it wasn't a uh, drug overdose. I, I can't swear to it, but that's with the news I've got. It was a, a some kind of bad deal that went around. And the people I've talked to have said the same thing that they just they don't they don't believe that it was a drug overdose. They believe that there was some foul play there yeah. coming from somebody. Well, every everybody knew what kind of lifestyle Gino had. I mean, he he was what you saw on the ring was basically what he lived outside the ring. He was, he was, he was going fast and furious yeah. and hanging around with a lot of guys that, that were questionable. So, you know, anything could have been true. He's, he's one of the few that, that I never wanted to be around or, or get around. I, you know, I shouldn't say it, but I just, his background and the way he came across with people like me and he, he was different with guys, but uh, I just never tried to be close to him. Uh, was he was he very cautious around you then, Bill? Or was he, you know, trying to disguise what he was doing or what? You know, back then, I think 
everybody and and even what little part i had you know it came around i think we all thought we were above a lot of uh, not just legal things but just life things. itself life in general yeah we well we, we all we all get that attitude at one time during during our rise there we all think we're above life basically you know and i i think that's you know that was a big deal and it's like I, I talked to the guys that, that I brought in, Curly and, and Lonnie. You know, they, they tried to be part of being in the ring. And, and then I said, I said, that's not us. You know, we, we can't be part of the, the, the matches. You know, but they would get to go into the ring and, and uh, do things. And, and they said, well, why aren't you going to do it? I said, I don't want to be part of that. I want the fans not to think I'm going to be part of something and I can't knock the crap out of them. <laughs> you know? I want them to know, and uh, it was just a it was just a different time back then than it is now. A lot safer time now, and and uh, yeah, definitely that. <laughs> it's yeah. so much has changed. You know, people talk about you know how much has changed in wrestling minutes, but it's changed in in everything from the seventies, eighties on. You know, rock rock and roll music, country music was different back then. Yeah. NFL was different back then. I mean, people ask about how the wrestler is compared. They talk about the movie. The wrestler is compared to say today's product, same as North Dallas Forty was to the NFL. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's a different. It's not even the it's not even the same business. No. You know, it's, yeah, it's, you, you no. see those old. You see some of those old NFL. I mean, that I think it was Don Lenny Dawson. There's a famous locker room picture of him with a cigarette and a cigarette in his mouth and a fifth yeah. of whiskey sitting on the floor there. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that that was that was the image kind of that NFL wanted them to have back in those days. Wild, yeah. tough, crazy dive. But nowadays you'd be fined a billion dollars if you tried to pull it out like that. Yeah. And, and you know, you you don't you, I, I can remember going to the dressing room and you see a, a six pack of beer here or yeah. something here yeah. or something like that over there and with the free birds, come on, James. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't just It'd the free birds. It'd be a with the free birds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, one a six-pack. That's the shirt. It's a Jaeger. Yeah. Give me yeah. some Jaeger, yeah. Briscoe. Yeah, big old free bird specials. <laughs> when, we, when we had those Corvettes, uh, I was parked next to the door, and I went out to my car. I'd left the windows down, and there was a fifth of Bacardi in my front seat with a message telling me to tell Carrie and uh, – Chris Adams to lower their windows next show. <laughs> and so they did and nothing was there. And I thought, well, maybe it's only TV night. And so <laughs> I said, do it again this next weekend. Well, sure enough, they, well, they said have Carrie and, and uh, uh, Chris leave a, a note of what they want. Somehow they knew what I drank. And so every other Friday, we'd leave the windows down on our Corvettes. And by the second match, I would go out and there'd be a fifth of our favorite. Wow. Uh, yeah, there were, there were fans that would do that every week. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, live, I live way out in the country here in Florida. And I used to walk up to my, after, after Tampa on Tuesday, I'd walk up to my mailbox up there and get my newspaper and mail. And there was the same thing. It'd be about, maybe they just moved from Texas out to Florida. But the fans were crazy like that. They'd find out what you wanted. And they'd deliver it right to the doorstep. Yeah, it's it's just the fans, <laughs> Mr. Briscoe. I, you got to hear Black Bart talk about riding with Jerry and Jack Briscoe. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something, Johnny. 
get in the car and there is a case of beer, a case of beer in every seat. And he goes, as big as your thumb, as big as your thumb, there's a doobie. And everybody gets a doobie. We've got a case of beer and a doobie. <laughs> Here Bart told about the Frisco car. So don't you tell me about the fans. Oh, oh yeah. I've heard, I've heard those stories from him. Yeah. There's several <laughs> things in the wrestling business that get you credibility, like being trained with hero Matsuda, being trained by Billy Robinson, being trained by Brad Ryan's being trained by Carl Gotch are riding with the Briscoes. Yeah. yeah that's right that up there. Yeah, sur yeah. Surviving a ride with the Briscoes. Yeah, a lot of people rode once with the Briscoes. And that yeah. was <laughs> I, I think it getting trained by Carl gotcha was a lot safer yeah you know it's funny you know, some of these guys are coming to territory they don't have a car you know and we'll ride with the <laughs> ride with the briscoes you know we always like to bring rookies in and you know let them ride with us one night they'd ride with us next night they're at the car lot looking for a car <laughs> <laughs> hey they got haku to drive for them Haku was only 16. They thought he was, I guess they thought he was 40 because he was so big. And, and Haku gets out of the car and leaves it in drive because he doesn't even know how to put it in park. And the car drives off. Yeah, true Haku story. had never driven before. Haku, yeah, listen, Haku tells a story. He goes, I'm used to car, car, car go away. I'm used to a canoe. And he's like, get in the car. And I go, okay. So he starts driving. He never driven a car before. Well, when he stops, he didn't realize you got to put it hey, in Hey, John, this, this is the Bass Briscoe podcast. This is talking about your Texas boys here. So let's stick to the subject, okay? <laughs> See, guys, this is what I got to put up with every damn show there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, a, what a thrill it is to talk to you, Bill. And, you know, I've heard so many stories about about you. And, and of course, James, I, I talk to James almost weekly now. James is, is a is a member of our, our board up in Iowa on our Hall of Fame up there. It does a great job by keeping keeping us informed on Texas guys. And so we appreciate all of his efforts. Bill, we appreciate you coming on the show. Is there any way or do you do anything uh, wrestling uh, related? Do you like to do the card shows or anything like that where guys can get a hold of you if they, they want to want to? Yeah. James James knows how he won't tell anybody. Yeah, yeah, but do you, you <laughs> would you would you tell would you tell the fans that all, all forty of them that we have on this podcast? We got at least forty. That's yeah. me and Jerry twice. Yeah. Send James Beard your message on Facebook that you want to get <laughs> There you hey, go. You're being safe there. Hey, but, but Bill, uh, I'm the only guy that can talk Bill into going to a wrestling show these days, and I I just do it by threatening to tell the truth about him somewhere. He he knows I'll be on a podcast somewhere, and I'll talk about him, so he'll he'll, he'll do whatever I ask him to do. <laughs> go ahead. No, no, go ahead. He he called me one day and wanted to know if I wanted to go to Corpus. And I thought, sure, I'll come down to Corpus. I had been there. I thought it was good. I, I had a friend that had a yacht that I used to go down there all the time and stay with it. In fact, he used to do a lot of the uh, pictures and things at the Sportatorium. So about two days before I called James and I said, hey, do I need to get a ticket, buy a ticket to get in? And he was quiet for a minute. And he said, no, you're not going to need a ticket. I said, you SOP? <laughs> He said, just bring your hat and your coat. And I said, <laughs> so, I got there. I did I hadn't done this in years. I didn't know anybody in there. I didn't know any of them. And I'm there, and James isn't there. 
And so I called him and, you know, it's six o'clock, six thirty. And he said, he said, no, I'm at dinner. Go ahead and get started. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he knew I couldn't. He just, he just did that. But, I knew well, you'd I, handle it. Well, Bill, I can't thank you enough. I, I've been looking so looking forward to this. What a what a great time listening to you tell these stories about the Von Ericks and and the the great time in Texas. So, I thank you so much for coming on our show. Appreciate it and uh, putting up oh. with uh, Mr. Briscoe and I and, and your friend. <laughs> well, you you two were pretty easy. You know, you would think after all these years I would be used to James, but it's always a surprise every day. <laughs> I don't want, I don't want you to get bored, Bill. <laughs> I don't. I don't.